Kev, football is, is celebrating Black History Month this month. Where are we at? Where, where, where is football at with, with, with the ongoing fight to, to, to rid the sport of, of all discrimination? Where are we at now? Uh, it's, it's a tough one, Darren, to be honest, because I think you could see people, the, the knee is being clapped now a lot of the time. You know, there's still a few people who are against it for whatever reason. I don't know. But that, that kind of sums up society at that time mm. where you're trying to do the right things, you, you, you mean well, and people oppose it. Whereas, you know, why would you oppose something like that because maybe because it doesn't affect the people who are complaining yeah that's why so we are as i'll be honest with you i look at these these sort of things and I, it's great that these things are put on mm. but when you see what's going on in the world what you, when you see the discrimination when you see the racism still going on and still actually not being dealt with yeah you know, I know you've got to start somewhere, but I mean, I was talking about it when I was a, a young player. Mm. And here we are, I've retired a long time now and we're still discussing it. So I think some serious work still needs to be done. Mm. And, you know, some people's feet have to be held to the fire to get results. Yeah. What can be done, Kev? What, what, what should the next step be? Well, I, for me, I truly believe, uh, Daz, it, it should be zero tolerance. Mm. It should be zero tolerance for any discrimination, really. You know, if you can't, if you can't go to a football match and, and enjoy the match, or even if you're upset, I get it. It's a game of football. You yeah. can be upset, but bringing race into it, skin color, sexual orientation, whatever, it mm. shouldn't matter. I think there that the league say they're doing stuff, but I, I need to see action. I, I, could, I couldn't agree more with the zero tolerance that because the deterrents, they're not good enough, Kevin. International football associations around the world are being fined. They, they, they won't even miss the money. They won't even know the money's gone on the bank accounts. You've, you've, got to, you've got to get the individuals, you've got to haul them out the stadiums and bang them up. And I'll tell you what, they wouldn't do it again, would they? No, they, they, they won't, but it's a societal problem. Mm. Daz. And, and at the end of the day, Daz, you could lock a hundred up, they'd be, they'd be replaced by a hundred. For me, the zero tolerance is if it's happening in your country and it happens in your stadiums, you get banned. That's it. So the fans know if they're going to do it, okay, you're the ones who's getting the country banned. Yeah. I can guarantee, I believe you will cut it out. Yeah. That's that would make people think twice mm. about even doing that sort of thing. But we've seen, you know, as you mentioned, the minuscule fines and this 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 they could get that down the back of the sofa. Do you know what I mean? What, <laughs> whatever the fine is, so unless there's zero tolerance, there's mm. the great work that people do and clubs do and yeah. FAs do, etc., just gets undone by the unruly people. Th things have moved on in, in football, Kev. Did you, did you experience racism when you were a young player coming through at Arsenal? Yeah, I, I, I did, Darren, to be honest. I, I experienced a lot of it back in the, in, the, in the late 70s, early 80s, which, listen, it was... And here's the crazy thing. It was part and parcel then. Mm. 
that's you know it was part and parcel living in Brixton at the time there was the the, the black community and, and the community as a whole and the police didn't have a good relationship and there was a lot of stop and search and stuff like that I remember getting stopped probably four times in one day wow you know and I'm a schoolboy so you know you think about that living with that week in week out and then you, you, you get to now and you think to yourself, what if I was living now, has it improved? It has improved a bit. Yeah. But a lot of it has gone kind of under the ground. A lot of it's gone maybe moved from the street to social media. Yeah. And yeah. now social media is the problem, isn't it? At times where things don't work out. I mean, that, that, that's the sad thing about it. You're saying that things have improved a bit. They shouldn't have improved a bit. They should have improved an awful lot in all that time. Should have. 100%, Darren, look, we've seen how long has um, kick racism been out of football, been in, in place, etc. We've heard the narrative that it hasn't even been fully funded um, to the full extent. That's disappointing considering the amount of money that's in the game right now. Mm. But it just goes to show that, that the, the powers that be aren't serious about it. You know, they're not serious about this sort of thing. I'm sure we've seen players, you know, with certain things on their top or on their shorts get huge fines. Why? Because it affects their pocket. The racism doesn't affect their, doesn't affect them or their pocket. So, unfortunately, they don't take it as serious as some of us do. So, it's, it's a difficult one, Daz. But, yeah, yeah. again, some feet has to be held to the fire. Who holds them accountable? You know, the, the, the powers that be for not funding um, kick racism out of football. We, you know, we owe such a debt of gratitude to men like Clyde Best and Laurie Cunningham and, and Viv Anderson, who, who were, they were, they were the pioneers, weren't they? They took some dreadful stick, but they brought so much to, the, to English football. Oh, without a shadow of a doubt, you know, the, 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 these guys, Cesc Pod and all those guys, yeah. Yeah. you know, Big Cyril, the, the three degrees at West Brom, as you said, so, so many players have gone through it. Even Bar John Barnes yeah. has gone through it. You know, so many guys have, have paved the way for the likes of myself to, to make a name in the game and, you know, look up to these guys. But that shouldn't go in vain, Darren. You know, these some of these guys have, have passed away, unfortunately, now. And, and the problem is still there. So, again, we asked the question... What's going to be done about it? And is it going to be zero tolerance? Because if it's not zero tolerance, Darren, we're messing about. I, I, I remember you had, you had your issue in, in Turkey before you joined Everton and, and your reaction was, right, that's it. One strike, you're out, I'm off, I'm out of here. Yeah, I mean, look, again, a lot of what, what went on was paper talk, but this is the, the, the difference, Daz. The media are so powerful... Mm. You, you write a headline in a newspaper and it, it grows arms and legs. It can, take, it can take off and you can't stop it. Mm. That's what happened in Turkey. It took off. Me and the chairman were fine. But once the, once the press got hold of it and interpreted it their way, you know, what, what's the point? They're, they're turning people against me yeah. and, I've, and I haven't even done anything. So it was the best for everybody all round. And, and, and may I add, Daz, obviously once I heard Everton were interested, 
that was that was it. There was five clubs. Everton was first mentioned. I said, yeah, that's where I'm going. <laughs> but I, I will I will go back to my debut in '88 where I suffered, and and Dave Rollcastle, Michael Thomas, Paul Davis, Gus Caesar, we suffered racial abuse at, at Goodison. Yeah, yeah. But those were the times. I came to Goodison and I have been welcomed with open arms. You know, I haven't heard anything since since I've been involved with the club. So, again, it just goes to show things can change, times can change, people can change if they want to. But when you're looking at the, the, the sphere of the game, you know, I think it's some, some of the big wigs don't want to change or don't want zero time. Yeah. Yeah, turning a blind eye too often. The, the the Evertonians took to you straight away, didn't they? And not just because you scored the goals, they kept us in the Premier League. It was just, it was the whole package with you. They took to your character. They took, they just took to you from the moment you walked through the door. Yeah, I, I, and I took to them. Do you know what, Daz? I, I I have this conversation with so many people. A lot of a lot of Arsenal fans ask me, so what is it with you and Everton? Like, you know, because they know I'm an Arsenal fan. They know I've supported the club all my life. But when you have that connection, that connection is just incredible. I, I, I'm a, I'm like a football historian. I, I love the past. Mm. I love when I was young, seeing how good Everton were. I know the size of club it is. And that's why when the opportunity came for me to join, that's where I want to go. Because the standards, the standards are high. Mm. And when you come into a club like Everton, I know the passion. I know that the 12th man is incredible. But that connection, I always gave everything I had and they was always respected that. Sometimes it, it didn't work out and other times it did. But I always gave everything for the, for the shirt and the badge. And to be given the number nine, that helped mm. as well, Darren. I've got to say, um, scoring some goals in that shirt. So, again, it was just a marriage made in heaven. And all of a sudden, all the Arsenal fans were like, wow, man, you, you know, your <laughs> connection with Everton is unbelievable. So. Yes, really proud of that connection. It still takes you about an hour to walk down Goodison Road on a last day, doesn't it? Yeah, it does, and I'm, I'm, I'm you know, I'm forever grateful for for the Evertonians who who uh, have taken me to their hearts. They're in my heart, and mm. uh, you know, I'm in their heart. So it's a it's a it's a really good connection. And I know you're immensely proud to be the first black footballer to captain Everton Football Club as well, Kev. Oh, that that is one of the things that will go with me to the grave, obviously, and. Um, very proud moment for me and my family and everybody who knows me, to be honest with you, Daz. Um, you know, wore the armband with a lot of pride and, you know, again, gave everything for tooth and nail for, for Everton Football Club to try and get it to where we wanted to get it to in some difficult circumstances, obviously. But, you know, nothing takes away me being captain of that, that great football club. You... you You've done a lot of punditry work now, Kev. You're obviously a, you're a football man born and bred. You, your analytical reviews are very, very good. Did you ever think about coaching or management? And, and, and if so, did, did the lack of opportunities for, for black coaches and managers put you off a little bit? Um, it's funny. No, it, I, I did have aspirations. And when I was still at Everton, you just, just think of these four. There was me, Davey Weir, Big Dunk and Stubbsy doing our coaching badges, right? <laughs> I obviously left and went to West Bromwich Albion, had to concentrate on the great escape. And obviously I was doing it at, at, at 
the, the coaching uh, badges at Everton, but obviously I couldn't do it at Everton anymore. So I had to, you know, and it, you can't, you just can't transfer it like that. So right, right. those guys went on to, to coach and manage and, and, and do that stuff. I kind of went in a different direction, obviously going to West Bromwich Albion, but, you know, seeing those guys and, and, and seeing what they've done has been fantastic. You know, all great guys, you know, Big Dunk, I'm sure will be manager at Everton in, 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 the, in the not too distant future, I'm sure. He's learning from some real, real great managers. Stubbs, he's had a, had a good career as a manager. I'm sure he'll be back as manager. And Davey Weir, coach, and I'm sure he'll be manager somewhere as well because, um, you know, these guys have such vast experience, Darren. You know, now I'm, I'm just a, I'm a football pundit, I'm a media man, and I'm a football dad. <laughs> <laughs> and, I, and, I, and I love doing podcasts as well so I'm, I've gone a different route and your boy's doing well Tyrese is doing smashing Kev isn't he yeah he's um, he's fully fit now he's, he's he's raring to go Stoke have had a great start to the season so you know he's got to bide his time until he gets an opportunity but he is absolutely chomping at the bit <laughs> to, to get back to that level he, he had a, a spell out on loan didn't he at Shrewsbury and I know you had a spell at Lake Orient earlier in your career, and, and clearly both those loan spells helped you both. They're an important part of your player's development, aren't they? Oh, 100, 100 it is. It's, uh, it's first-team football, Darren. And when you're young and playing first-team football, when you're young, you think you know football. You don't know football until you go on loan. See it in the trenches, as, as we call it. You know, Being in the first-team at Arsenal or in Everton or whatever, Stoke, you know, that's, that's, that's a massive tick in the box. But to learn football, you have to maybe go lower. Understand it. You know, the, the, the results mean a lot for these players. Yeah. Make yeah. a difference in their paycheck at the end of the week or month. Yeah. It's, it's huge. And you, you get to understand and learn the game. You know, I went on long twice. I, I was at Leighton Orient and then I went to Leicester yeah. at the time. So it was like Division 4 and then Second Division, which is equivalent to the Championship. And done okay, and then got back and started getting an opportunity at Arsenal. So, you know, I made my debut in '88, mm -hmm. and then I didn't get involved again until probably at 1990. So, you know, those two years I was grafting and, and working hard, and, and Ty's done the same. He had a really good spell at Shrewsbury, got back, made his way to the first team, and um, Michael O'Neill at Stoke, mm -hmm. you know, convinced him to stay. And um, he's been he's been happy there ever since. Is he a goal poacher like his dad? Well, he he reckons he's better than me. Uh, <laughs> he's a lefty, Daz. He's a lefty, and uh, right. tell you one thing, he can finish. Yeah. But we have to see. I said, son, I can't I can't add to my resume anymore. <laughs> I said my resume is there to for you to take on. I said <laughs> all the best. <laughs> <laughs> if he has half the career you had, you'll be doing well, Kev. Yeah, I Listen, think so too. Brilliant to catch up with you. We could speak for hours, but I know you're a busy man. And uh, thanks very much for joining us, mate. Daz, thank you so much. Daz, I've got to say thank you to you. You've always been top class with me and uh, getting me on to speak to the Evertonians and get my message out um, to, to the goodness and faithful. And um, I wish you and all, uh, all the, the backroom staff well. You know, I saw I saw Jimmy Colby. Yes, I haven't had a chat with him for a while, <laughs> and uh, I, I saw Jimmy Martin, but I didn't get to speak to him. And uh, I always just want the best for Everton Football Club, anyway. As you know.
seeing Jimmy Martin but not getting the chance to speak to him is no bad thing though, is it? <laughs> no, because oh, he always says to me, don't you start, I'll knock you out. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just saying, hello, Jimmy, how you doing? He's always, he never changes. <laughs> Lovely to speak to you, Kev. I'll see you soon, mate. Cheers, Daz. Thank you. Thank you.